Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, True Rojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. Today, we're going to talk the smorgasbord of USC athletics, baseball, basketball, football, recruiting with our buddy, our friend, Shotgun Spratling. You can follow him on Twitter at ShotgunSPR. We're going to talk with him. we got some questions from the Peristyle for him. And, of course, we want to just talk about the different sports teams, what's been going on. Lots been going on, actually, with the start of the baseball season winding down the basketball season what's the the story with the tournament and of course recruiting is heating up with junior day and the the uh, la nike camp the regional opening camp over the weekend so we're talking about all that if you have any questions in general for the show please drop us an email podcast at uscfootball.com or you can leave a voicemail a couple different ways call 641-715-3900 extension 816-646 or just go to our website peristylepodcast.com click on the left side of the page and leave a voicemail right from your computer or your device. Of course, you can go to iTunes.com slash Parastyle Podcast. That's our regular iTunes page. It's a dedicated URL. If you want to, uh, you can enjoy the show there by subscribing. You can leave us some feedback. Uh, five stars would be great and it helps propagate the show to other people. All right. Let's jump right in with Shotgun. Shotgun, man, what's going on? How are you? Hanging in there, you know, it was a long weekend with, with junior day and, uh, you know, the Nike camp, we talked to a lot of kids and different things and got out to see some baseball as well and watched the basketball teams on TV, which was not fun to, to do. Um, but you know, a lot of things going on right now. It is. It's kind of a busy time for there's, you know, people like, what do you do in the off season? The people don't understand our jobs. Like, well, there really isn't uh, an off season with this kind of stuff. And, you know, typically, we'll, we'll start with basketball shotgun. And typically we, that's not an area that the fans on uscfootball.com kind of flock to, but I think you've been doing a really good job, uh, covering the team. And I think with the team turning things around and winning a lot of games, it's, it's piqued a lot of interest. Now the problem is that lately it's been kind of a streak going the other way. Um, still looks like USC is going to make the tournament, but what do you make overall of this, the USC basketball team this year? I mean, it definitely hit a funk. I've lost five or six, I believe it is. Uh, you know, they're just struggling mightily right now on the defensive end, and that's where everything's starting. Uh, you can't get out and run and gun and do the things that they want to do offensively if you don't play defense first because, you know, it's hard to run and, you know, play up-tempo when you're getting the ball out of the basket every time. And, you know, their shooting defensive shooting percentage has, you know, increased over the last couple of weeks. You know, earlier in the year they were in the – 20s to 30s in the NCAA rank, and, and now that's all the way down to, I believe, 69. They're still second in the conference, but you know they once were below 40%. Now teams are shooting 41% overall against them, and a lot of the teams in the you know the last three weeks have been shooting you know 45, 50%. So you know it's all started on the defensive end, and, and I think a lot of it has to do with their pick and roll defense it has really struggled. And, you know, just the switching there or whatever, you know, they've been trying to do just has not been very successful. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, I, I, we saw a lot of USC fans in general, I think kind of jump on the bandwagon and Andy Enfield, see he was the right guy after having a couple of bad seasons. 
Are you seeing some people kind of jumping off the bandwagon a little bit now, losing five and six, like you said? Uh, there's, there's always, you know, the, the bandwagon hoppers going back and forth, but, you know, it's just the, the, once you get people jumping on a bandwagon, the people that don't want to be on that bag, bandwagon, when something goes wrong, the vitriol just comes out immediately. Uh, I mean, a lot of people originally were giving a lot of credit to Pat Hayden about this home run hire, you know, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, a month ago. And whether or not that was deserved, you know, couldn't be debated in itself. But then now that the basketball team's struggling again, the people that did not agree with that sentiment are very quick to point out that what about, what about Pat Hayden now? What do you think now? Whereas Pat Hayden has nothing to do with the basketball program right now. He's not the one playing defense on the team. So I, I don't think what he has done, uh, has anything to do with it, but that's the first person that people want to point out. Uh, as it always is, you know, the, the, it always goes up the, the chain of power. So if you're at the top, you're going to get the, the benefit of, I mean, you're going to get the, you know, spoils of the riches and you're also going to get the, the, uh, when things are going wrong, you're going to get the one that gets the blame for it. So we, uh, our, our buddy, big Nick had a question we put on the peristyle for you, shotgun. Um, Nick, that's Nick from Cypress. Uh, he said fight on and enjoyed meeting you at the one year anniversary party, by the way, uh, that we had. When was that? Yeah. Well, I guess about six months ago or so. Um, he said, what's going on with the basketball team? What's the woes on the road? I mean, a lot of it is, uh, you just comfortability. When you go on the road, you're playing in someone else's arena. You're playing with a, a different basketball than a lot of times than you're used to. Uh, Zach Helfand with the LA Times did a really nice piece on, you know, just the fact that there's no set standard for the basketball. So the, and, you know, a basketball grip can be a lot different. Um, so it's not like football where a team runs on and you bring your own footballs out there. Uh, with, with basketball teams, the home team provides it. So, you know, it, it sometimes can be a little bit different, but then it's also the backdrop. You're having to deal with, the crowd and the, you know, them being on top of you and you don't have that emotional uplift from the crowd if, if things are, you know, struggling a little bit. So there's a lot of things that are against teams in college, uh, when they go on the road. But I mean, the entire Pac 12 has just been pretty terrible on the road. Um, the top five teams in the Pac 12 and USC, I mean, there's, there's been a combined like maybe 10 home losses the entire year for, you know, those six teams. I mean, teams are playing great at home and terrible on the road. We just saw Cal, who's, who's really coming to their own the last month or so, really playing well with their two freshmen, Jalen Brown, who's going to be a top 10 draft pick more than likely, and Ivan Rabb. Both those guys have, have come on, but, uh, Cal is 19-0 at home, or I believe 18-0 or 19-0 at home this season. They finished the season with a perfect record, but they were terrible at the beginning of the conference schedule on the road as well. So, you know, a lot of teams, and, and I think part of it has to do with the youth of the the conference. The conference has lost, lost a number of players in the NBA the last couple of years. So there's some very young teams. You know, one of the exceptions might actually be that Utah team that came in and, you know, wiped USC's undefeated market home out. Uh, they, they've got a, a older team with some, some veteran parts. And then you got Jakob Pertl in the middle of the middle of the, the court there that can just do everything. And, you know, it's going to be a top five pick, I think. So, you know, those, that's kind of the thing with the Pac 12. The entire conference has been bad on the road, but USC has been really bad, you know, losing to Arizona State and losing badly to Stanford, two games that they should have had either at least a good chance to win if they didn't win them, uh, but they didn't have very good showings in either of those. 
some of the other teams that they've lost to, you know, are quality teams that are difficult to beat on the road, but they've got to do better than the 20-point blowouts that they had in the last two games. We have a question from Naked Alien. I didn't really recognize that name. He only has 20 uh, posts on the site, but he's been a member for a long time. So thanks, Naked Alien, for writing in. So you're bringing out the, uh, you know, the lurkers shotgun with this little thread. <laughs> I just put up a thread this morning. So we only had a couple, uh, responses. So it wasn't like I put this up for a long time, but I'm glad Naked Alien wrote in. He wanted to know, it seems like Boatwright and Metu have regressed considerably as the year has progressed. Do you think this is just a case of them hitting the quote unquote freshman wall? Or does the coaching staff's lack of a big man coach the reason? Well, I mean, Tony Bland works with a big man. You know, he's a, a quality assistant coach there. I, I got a chance to sit in on a couple of practices earlier in the year and, uh, you know, really like the work that he did with them working on their feet work and stuff like that. The problem is that neither one of those guys is one polished or two a conventional big man. I mean, both of them are athletic. I mean, Benny Boatwright wouldn't even necessarily call him a big man. He's a stretch four. Uh, he's going to play on the perimeter more than he does down on the block. And the problem with him has been getting into foul trouble. He's He's been very streaky both ways. You know, he'll get three fouls real quick and be out of the game, or he'll, you know, get streaky shooting and, and make a couple shots, and he'll put up 18 points one game, And it, but he's also had two scoreless games in the last four or five games. So I think there is part of it as is hitting a little bit of that, that freshman wall, you know, and also teams are now, you know, game planning a little bit for these guys when they come in. I mean, Met too earlier in the year. He, you know, hadn't made a huge impact. He was blocking some shots and stuff on defense, but until that UCLA game earlier in January when he put up 21 points and, and eight rebounds, you know, it kind of brought him out on the scene like, Oh, okay. We got to, you know, game plan a little bit for this guy as well when he comes into the game. And you're seeing him, you know, he forced some shots last night that he shouldn't have against Cal and. And he just didn't finish around the basket. And that's just, you know, he just had an off game last night. His points usually come on dunks. And then he can also knock down some jumpers. But, you know, the, it's a consistency thing, which is a lot of times is the case with freshmen. And I, I've said this a lot in, you know, other sports. And, and basketball is no different for freshmen. You know, you get to the maybe the final third of the season. And that's when the freshman, quote, unquote, the freshman wall you know, it, it hits maybe. But players do either one or two things. You either hit that freshman wall and you just kind of you don't do much the rest of the season, or the really good players like the Jalen Browns, you hit that freshman wall, you hit that little that two-thirds point, and your game you learn from the first two-thirds of the season and you progress in your game. And if you can do that, then it, it really, you know, boosts a player towards their sophomore year or in Jalen Brown's case is boosting his uh, – uh, draft stock for the NBA, which is where he probably will end up next year. All right. We have, uh, Golder Trojan, um, 33 posts. So there, another lurker. What's the mindset of the basketball team after the current downtread? And how do you rate Andy Edfield as a motivator? You know, Andy Edfield has said a couple of times in the last, you know, during the streak that, you know, he, he's kind of, Given some fire and brimstone talks at halftime. And I wonder if that is kind of, you know, starting to go in one ear and out the other or what's maybe going on there. You know, they're, they're still trying to take it one game at a time. I asked, you know, last week, you know, has fatigue become a factor because they got a kind of a short bench and, you know, they want to be up tempo. 
and you see spurts where they just disappear, like last night when you know they went this after being tied 26-26, I think it was, and Cal ends the half on a 20-4 run. Uh, USC went like eight minutes without a, a field goal. You know, someone has to step up and be the person to say, "All right, we're struggling right now. I got to get this done by myself." Or I've got to set somebody up so that they can finish. Uh, and, and I think that person needs to be Julian Jacobs, but he's, he has been down a little bit the last six games. You know, kind of the team has gone when Julian Jacobs and Jordan McLaughlin have been good. USC has been really good. When both of those guys play well, then USC plays really well. Uh, but also this team was kind of built by Andy Enfield where everybody has a certain role. Darian Clark coming off the bench and being a rebounder, being a tough guy, you know, they've missed that the last three weeks with him out with a separated shoulder. They're hoping to get him back next this week uh, against the Oregon schools. They could really use him. Uh, but every time that they haven't had somebody healthy, whether it be Jordan McLaughlin with his broken nose or Julian Jacobs with his sprained his ankle, that's when they've lost. So maybe if they get Darian Clark back and, you know, they feel like they're a complete team again, Maybe we'll see something different this week. And being at home, you know, they they have a great chance to beat Oregon State. And if they can get that win, you know, that gives them some momentum going against Oregon in the, the season finale, you know, the home finale, before they go to the, the Pac-12 tournament. I think that they, as long as they win one game this week, they're pretty much in the NCAA tournament. But, you know, getting two wins, whether it be one this week and one in the tournament or however it may be, you know, would, would pretty much solidify them in the NCAA tournament. Um, yeah, you know, speaking of the, the tournament and the standings and stuff, uh, before we were talking, you know, with the Pac-12 tournament coming up, trying to get one of those first four spots so you get a bye week, uh, during the first, you know, round of the tournament, um, maybe kind of give people an update on, you know, where you think they can end up in the standings and, and going into that tournament. And then, like you said, I think what, what's the, uh, Consensus around an eight seed or something right now for the for the big tournament. Maybe kind of give your thoughts on all that. Yeah, the last I saw for the NCAA tournament was was an eight seed earlier this morning. Um, not sure if that was or maybe it was last night. My mornings and nights kind of blur together. Uh, <laughs> uh, that may, I'm not sure if that included yesterday's results or not. So I would I, you know I see them around an eight seed right now for for most of the prognosticators. Um, in the Pac-12 standings, they're currently tied. Uh, with Stanford and Oregon State at eight and eight, and I believe that's sixth overall. Let me count real quick. Yeah, the sixth overall. Um, so if they beat Oregon State, you know, you boost up, you get, you get the win over them. So that gives you, you know, a great opportunity to, to move up a seed. And it's important the higher seed you go is because, you know, if you're not one of the top four seeds, which looks like is, is probably going to be out of the, the realm of possibilities just because USC is a game and a half back going into the last weekend. So they would have to win to have a, you know, a game and a half back from Colorado in the, the fifth seed, um, and two games back of Arizona. So you have to have some teams lose both of their games in front of you. So more than likely, you know, they're going to be playing on that first day, you know, but if you can get to that five seed, that'd be huge. If you can get to the five seed, cause then you get Washington State. Washington State's one and 16 in conference. That's definitely the team you want to face if you have an opportunity. After that, though, you know, if you get the sixth seed, you get Arizona State. That'd be also a good matchup, you know. And then if for USC, the seventh seed matches up with UCLA, that potentially UCLA, there's a chance that they do move up. They're, they're only a game and a half back of Washington. Uh, but, you know, that'd be another opportunity to face UCLA. And, you know, it's, not, it's hard to beat a team three times, and especially when it's your rival because they're going to have that emotion coming in. So, 
USC wants to try to get to that five or six seed at the at the worst going into the conference tournament. So that, you know, you play Arizona State or Washington State, you feel good about your chances of getting that extra win, which would be an extra you know padding to that to the resume for the NCAA tournament. Yeah, you know that's uh that's a good point because if they end up playing UCLA again, I mean that could that's maybe what's built up the most uh cachet I guess for this season is you know what however it finishes off being able to sweep the Bruins I think means something you know because it's a you know definitely more of a UCLA cares a lot more about basketball than USC does so USC sweeps them in basketball it means something it would kind of take a little away if they end up playing in the tournament shotgun and losing that game so I, I don't know if that's a matchup that. You know, Trojan fans would want at least in the first round. Yeah, definitely not. Uh, I mean, you don't you don't want to play your rival when, when there's that emotion and the potential for them with UCLA. If they struggle this this week, um, you know, they're not making the NCAA tournament. They've got to win a couple games. They got to win a couple games this weekend. They got to win a couple games in the tournament, if not win the entire Pac-12 tournament, which is probably the only way they're getting in as of right now. But if USC loses a couple games this week and falls down one or two spots. Um, or one spot, you're playing Washington or Stanford again. You know, Washington's a very young and athletic team. You know, there's just not as good matchups for USC as Arizona State or Washington State are, you know, just because of the, the you know, the, the talent that's not quite there at Arizona State or Washington State compared to some of those other schools. All right. Let's, uh, we'll see what happens with the uh, basketball team going forward. Uh, we haven't talked like a lot of USC basketball on the podcast for quite a while. So, People might be shaking their heads like, what are you guys doing? Well, we got to talk about basketball and we have to talk about baseball. So the start of the season, you know, it's just a, what, a week or two old right now. Maybe give everyone kind of an update, uh, of what's going on with the baseball team. USC is two, two weeks into the season now. You know, they lost their opening weekend series against North Dakota. Um, you know, which is a tough series to lose for them. Not, not one you want to lose, but. North Dakota did have a couple of, of really good guys. Their freshman, I mean, their Friday pitcher was really good. He also shut down Alabama this past week and uh, took a loss on an unearned run in the ninth inning. So, you know, that that's going to be a, a guy that's going to give a lot of teams problems this year. But they went to LMU during the midweek, won that game, uh, made it very interesting. They were up 4-1 to going in the ninth inning, loaded the bases, LMU did, and got two runs. With one out, uh, they bring on a new pitcher, and he gets a ground ball double play to end the game so to save that one. And then USC took two or three this weekend from uh, an ACC school, Wake Forest, who has a very strong lineup. They have two two to three All-Americans, depending on if you're looking at every different All-American potential uh, preseason list there is. Um, but two guys in the middle of their lineup, Nate Mondo and uh, and Will Craig, both you know guys that can just crush the ball all over the yard. And USC shut down their offense a lot. I mean, they scored 10 runs for the series, Wake Forest did, and USC gave them some of that. USC probably should have swept the series, but they had three errors in, in an inning on Saturday and ended up losing that game by one run. So, so far, they're, they're, uh, four and three on the season. All three losses have been by one run, but now they got a real big, uh, you know, stretch coming up where they're going to play some, some tough teams that you got. Long Beach, who's been playing really well, who uh, defeated Arizona State in the series. They got them on tomorrow on Tuesday. And then the Dodger Town uh, Classic or the Dodger Stadium College Baseball Classic, which is what they renamed it. Um, they got Mississippi State, Oklahoma, and UCLA this weekend. Next weekend, they go to TCU. The weekend after that, they got Cal. You know, a lot of ranked teams in that run. So it was good for them to get a series win 
And, you know, they had to do, they had to scrap and fight to, to get that yesterday against Wake Forest, winning two to one. Uh, they, Reggie Southall is a guy who, you know, they expected to be a contributor at shortstop and starting and being a leadoff hitter. And he struggled a little bit at the beginning of the season. So they took him out of that spot. He comes off the bench yesterday, goes in pinch run, not pounding or anything like, you know, you sometimes see some older guys do if they get benched. He comes in, steals a base, moves a third on, on a ground ball and then scores on a wild pitch. And that ends up being the difference in the eighth inning there. So a good series win for USC. And it'll look probably even look better at the end of the season when you look back and, you know, Wake Forest is probably going to hit better than they did this past weekend uh, going forward. Um, so you expect at the end of the season that'll probably be a, a good RPI boost and, and a good series win for the committee to look back on as well. You know, they're playing pretty good. They're, they're a little bit nicked up. Mitch Hart, who was a freshman All-American last year, uh, was their Saturday, expected to be their Saturday starter. He hasn't pitched yet this year. They're working his way back up from a little bit of a, I can't remember if it was an elbow or a shoulder, a little tightness in it. So he hasn't pitched yet. Timmy Robinson, who's their center fielder, who uh, was my breakout pick to, you know, potentially be an All-American this year. Um, he's used their center fielder. He's been, he also had a, an elbow issue. So they shut him down throwing wise for a couple weeks before the season started. So he's DHing for them right now. And is, is, he's, he told me it's, it's a little tough to DH because he's so used to being in the action, involved in everything. And instead he's having to sit in the dugout and, you know, just wait his turn and try to stay focused and everything. So a little bit different for him. Um, but the bats are starting to get going. They, they got uh, a lot of hits this weekend. However, they left a ton of men on base. They left 35 guys on base this weekend, 29 in the first two games. So, you know, the opportunity for a sweep was there, and they missed out on it. But you're seeing the progression from them not hitting much the first week to getting a couple more hits in the midweek. And Timmy Robinson getting a, you know, opposite field homer at LMU was a, was a big thing. And, and now Jeremy Martinez had a home run. You know, they're, they're starting to see the power come out from some of the guys. So, uh, you know, they're, they're still trying to find some answers in the lineup, you know, at the top of the lineup. Who's going to replace Bobby Stahl and Garrett Stubbs, who were, were both tremendous last year and then moved on to the professional ranks? Those were their one-two guys last year. Who was going to replace them? That was the big question mark coming in. Uh, Lars Newbar, a freshman, has moved into the uh, leadoff spot and has done real well. He had four hits on um, on Friday, and I believe he's you know one of the top ten in the nation right now. He's got three with three sack flies, uh, so he's been doing some things for him. And in the two hole, David Oppenheim gives him a, a a guy that can do a little bit of everything. He can hit and run. He you know he can has a little bit of power, a little bit a uh, little bit of this, a little bit of that type of guy. Um, and you know they're just kind of finding their roles right now. In, in the lineup and, and kind of learning from the experiences of the first couple of weeks. So I think they're, they're progressing in the right direction. Uh, Nick also had a question, Nick from Cypress on the baseball team. He wants it simple. Is the baseball team better this year than they were last year? I mean, the big question there is, like I said, with, with the top of the lineup, can they replace Bobby Stahl, who, you know, I hit was flirting with 400 for a lot of the year. Uh, can they replace Garrett Stubbs, who was the nation's best catcher in the country? Those are your two questions. Jeremy Martinez is going to fill in the catcher role as a good guy behind the plate, you know, good defensively and everything. He's going to be a middle of the lineup bat. But they got to get guys on in front of him for Jeremy Martinez, Timmy Robinson, and uh, another freshman that's been really good was Dylan Paulson, their first baseman. You know, if they get guys on in front of them, they're going to knock in some runs and they're going to be successful. And the pitching uh, rotation has been really good. Kyle Davis has been good. When they get Mitch Hart back, it's going to be even uh, a deeper 
pitching staff. They're also their their big freshman arm, Merrick Krause, has been out as well. He's going to be uh, sidelined. I can't remember how how long Dan Hub said. Maybe a couple more weeks. They hope to get him back soon. Another just you know soreness and tightness. They don't want to risk anybody getting a, a a longer injury. So they're being very cautious with guys. But the bullpen has so much depth this year. There's guys that, for example, Andrew Wright was hitting 93, 94 miles an hour during a midweek exhibition game. Uh, I guess a Korean professional team and he's not able to, to crack into the rotation or the, the back end bullpen rotation right now just because they've got so many guys that are doing really well. Brooks Krisky has been great. Mark Huberman came in and shut the door yesterday, uh, for, for another, his second save or his first save of the season, you know, so uh, they've got some good arms in the back end and they're really excited about how deep the entire pitching staff is. So the real question is, can they score enough runs? All right. We got some uh, basketball, a little bit of baseball. We'll see what's going on. When's the next game for baseball, Shotgun? Baseball will be on the road at Long Beach tomorrow, Tuesday, and then this weekend they host um, Miss Oklahoma on Friday, Mississippi State on Saturday, and then the Dodgers Stadium game against UCLA will be on Sunday. The good thing for USC this weekend coming up, um, is they get to miss two really big arms because, uh, Mississippi State has their, their front line, uh, guy, Dakota. I can't remember his last name off the top of my head, but he's a, a potential first round pick. And then Oklahoma's number two guy this year who they're throwing on Saturday, Alec Hansen can throw it 100 to 101 miles an hour. I saw him pitch last, uh, year in, in Arizona and he can be really dynamic when he's on. So USC will, will get to avoid those two guys. Those two guys will both be facing UCLA instead. Um, but they are still going to be playing some quality opponents, so they're going to have to bring their A game this weekend. All right. Thanks for the update there on baseball. And I want to, we'll, we'll end the segment or end the show today talking a little bit about USC recruiting. Uh, it was kind of a big weekend, a lot of action going on. There's stuff that we couldn't see at uh, Saturday at the USC Junior Day. Um, where they had a bunch of prospects come out and take pictures and jerseys and do the fight on things and, you know, get, get some tours and all that kind of fun stuff. And then, uh, over at the, uh, LA regional of the opening, um, that was kind of interesting too, seeing a lot of the, the players. I got to see Matt Carell, the, uh, USC 2018 quarterback commit for the first time and he looked really good. We're going to put a lot of video and stuff up from that. We put up a lot of stories. But I know you talked to a lot of guys, Shotgun, after uh, the junior day. Uh, what were the overall thoughts, I guess, talking to people and maybe some of the interesting guys that you, you got uh, some quotes from? I would say the, the, the one common theme that I heard from almost every guy uh, was everyone just loved the energy of the coaching staff. Uh, whether it was Clay Helton, a lot, of, a lot of guys referenced the energy that Clay Helton had. To, to down the line to even Neil Calloway, you know, the offensive line coach, they just, they just all seem, the recruits said that the coaching staff just all re- seemed really excited. They were really amped about the, the weekend, the prospect of having all these guys here. And we originally thought it was going to be, you know, a, a smaller crowd, uh, 20 to 25. It ended up being, I, I believe around 50. If I've counted some of the, the, the names correctly, I'm guessing a little bit here, but you know, there was a lot of guys coming in and, you know, the, some guys from, from several schools brought multiple guys. Bishop Gorman were there, 10, 11 guys and, you know, some of the different schools and, and locally brought a couple guys, two, three, four. So guys had some comfortability as well. That was one thing a lot of guys spoke on was 
the fact that most of them were with teammates, the guys I spoke to, you know, they, they were able to have someone to talk to besides, you know, the coaching staff and everything and then go get to meet other guys because once you have someone with you, it's easier to talk with a third person or whatever it may be. Um, so a lot of guys were comfortable. They really enjoyed the atmosphere. Uh, they, they enjoyed the energy of the coaching staff. They, uh, appreciated the, the current players who spoke. Juju Smith, Schuster spoke. Um, Zach Banner spoke. I believe there's one more player I can't think of off the top of my head. A defensive player uh, spoke as well, you know, and it just kind of talked about the Trojan family and, and how USC sets them up for degrees in three years. That was something that multiple guys mentioned as well that they really liked hearing. Um, and, you know, and Zach Banner kind of told one recruit, I can't remember off the top of my head who, who told me this, but said, you know, when he was speaking to him, he said, you know, if I, if I lose a leg tomorrow, I know I'm still going to be set because I have this USC degree. I may not be able to play football anymore, but I'm still going to be successful in life because of this USC degree. And a lot of, a lot of players seem to take that to heart. And I think because the coaching staff got some current players to talk, I think, you know, that is, you know, it was a tremendous opportunity there because players are going to listen to the guys that are close to their age more than they're going to listen to Neil Calloway or, you know, Ronnie Bradford, as much energy as the guy has, he's still uh, nearing 50 years old. Uh, it doesn't seem like it when you talk to him, but, um, you know, the, these older guys the, don't necessarily have the same connection with the, with the current prospects as the players do. And that's no fault of the coaching staff. It's just the way it is. It's, you know, how things are. And, you know, the fact that the players were able to tell the, th- the same things that the coaching staff always harps on. You know, I think it, you know, sets in deeper and makes more of an impact from those guys. But it seemed like, you know, just everyone had a great time. They really enjoyed, you know, the opportunity. Even some of the guys that, that, you know, are committed elsewhere, you know, talked about the positive things. I know Hunter Eccles, who's a defensive end commit to, for UCLA from Cathedral. He was there with his teammate, another Cathedral, uh, UCLA commit, Reddy Short and a couple other Cathedral guys. But he said, you know, he's going to definitely take a uh, official visit to U- USC because he grew up as USC, uh, watching Reggie Bush, being a Reggie Bush fan, and, and liked USC in that regard. But you know, hadn't really considered it seriously, um, and and took the UCLA offer, and and that's where he still is planning to go. But uh, at the moment, but he's going to take that visit because he was really excited about the energy that uh, KU had, Kanichi Udaisi. And the kind of the connection that he built with him because of the, um, the kind of, I guess, obstacles that, that they both overcome and, and having to, you know, be guys that weren't considered, you know, the best player or whatever, you know, when they were growing up. And, you know, he, he's kind of taken that to heart. And the, the message that Kenichi Udaisi gave to the defense lineman also was, uh, Garrett Haskell or Haskell Garrett, excuse me. Um, said he really loved the fact that, uh, KU is all about being above average and being the best not, instead of being average or, or being mediocre. Or, and, you know, just, he doesn't accept mediocrity or anything like that. So those guys were really high on KU. It seemed like everyone that, that I talked to enjoyed their position meetings, which is something that went on. And just overall, just the, the atmosphere and the campus, you know, everyone always loves the campus, obviously, because you can't go wrong at USC, just a beautiful campus. Um, so, you know, overall, I think it was a great day for the, the coaching staff. I think they, they made some inroads with some guys that, you know, may not have expected to, 
you know, have as good of a chance uh, early in the process. Yeah, it's funny that, um, you know, talk with Gerard and talk with you beforehand. We didn't, we didn't get the feeling it was going to be a big event. And I think leading up to it, it didn't look like it was something that was, um, I don't know, I, I want to say like extremely organized. Uh, I mean, there was, there was some randomness going on. And I think there's, you know, with Austin Thomas, uh, you know, just coming into the fold, I think there was a lot of things happening, just like it's been for the last several months with, all the uncertainty. They're just kind of doing a lot of things on the fly. And we, you know, we felt like they were kind of doing that a little bit on signing day and it ended up being great. And they, they closed on most everyone they wanted. And I think they, they kind of wrapped up, you know, junior day, almost a similar fashion where maybe even a few days before you weren't really sure how it was going to come together. But when the chips were down, they made it come together. I started getting messages from coaches and stuff like, uh, you know, at Los, Al- Los Alamitos, like, Oh, these guys are coming. And, um, more people, you know, ended up kind of coming into the fold the last minute and end up looked like it ended up, you know, going swimmingly. Um, especially with a lot of the Bishop Gorman guys in town and going to the, the LA regional opening. Uh, it seemed to come together really nicely for USC. Yeah, definitely. And, and just imagine if they actually get organized, you know, the way that things have been going, uh, with them not being completely organized with things just kind of going here and there and, and not having that central character, which we think Austin Thomas might can be now, just to get everything you know set up, and so you know what's going on at this moment, and this moment, and this moment, instead of there being a little you know confusion sometimes, and and uh, you know sometimes just having players that were supposed to get a call or something from a coach, and it gets slips through the cracks or whatever it may be, um, the small things, the details that haven't been crisp. You know, maybe that'll, you know, go even to the next level when they, when Austin Thomas gets fully, you know, in charge of everything and gets going there because they've been doing a great job with just on their energy and their enthusiasm and, and their knowledge, uh, rather than their organizational skills. So if you combine the two, you know, maybe USC puts together quite a recruiting class this year, um, that could challenge for, for a top five ranking or something. Yeah. I'm not trying to say that the, the staff is disorganized, but there's just been, there's been a lot going on all at once. And I, you know, you can understand why, you know, it, it's mostly people kind of, we talk to you like, yeah, there's just a feeling of, I'm not sure if it's all like a finally, you know, a final old machine or whatever, finely tuned machine, I guess you'd say. Um, but like you said, if, if that happens, and I think it will, once you get it some time to breathe, it mm-hmm. just seems like everything's been happening, uh, you know, all at once. And just as one thing after another, you don't really get a chance to get your feet under you. Um, but once they do, I think it'll be okay. But I, I wasn't trying to say that this is some highly disorganized staff or anything, but just with the, I think the nature of everything that's been going on, it's been tough to kind of, you know, you're always playing catch up, it seems. Yeah. It just seems like, you know, you got a guy coming, you got a guy going. I mean, uh, guys like Kenoto Hudson who were on the road for a little bit because there were less staff and then you got to switch over and now you got running Bradford. You got to get him up to speed on, you know, who they've offered, who, you know, who they're interested in. What does he think? You, so it's just a lot of moving parts that they, you know, have, have to iron out and which we think will, you know, definitely start happening, especially once spring gets going and, and even into the summer, once they're done with spring football, you know, you'll see that on the recruiting side that they should be, you know, a lot smoother uh, in that regard. Uh, maybe, maybe that's a better, um, you know, terminology than, than saying they're necessarily disorganized. It's just things aren't quite as smooth as you would want them to be because uh, you don't have everyone on the same page because there's been so many coming and goings. 
All right. Shotgun Spratling does a great job for us on uscfootball.com covering football, recruiting, basketball, baseball, covering everything. Follow him on Twitter at ShotgunSPR. Thanks, buddy, for coming on the show, man. No problem. Thank you for having me. And, you know, we're going to have plenty more interviews coming this uh, week. I've got a, a, good, a good queue of, uh, of guys that I've got to transcribe and, and get to writing. Uh, talk to a number of different guys over the, uh, the last couple of days. Um, some of the high profile guys and also some of the guys that, you know, people may not know about. So I think those will be interesting articles for people to read as well to get to know some of these guys that USC is taking a look at. All right. Well, definitely check it out on uscfootball.com. He's on the Peristyle. He's, of course, on the front page of the site. So definitely check him out uh, and follow him on Twitter at Shotgun Spratling. Thanks again, Shotgun. And everyone else, thanks so much for tuning into the Peristyle podcast. I think we're going to do one this week with Dan Weber. Uh, we're going to do some spring football. He's going to start some spring football preview uh, articles up on uscfootball.com. So we'll have some more podcasts and stuff going on. Harvey Hyde just taking a couple weeks off. Uh, we'll have him back when spring football gets started again. So thanks very much for tuning into the Peristyle Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.